Good morning. I got, I got tied up in fellowship. Good morning. Let's all stand together and let's worship the Lord together.
Lord. Let me tell you, we can walk in victory. This first uh, Sunday of 2024, I thought that's how we need to start. We need to start in victory, not in defeat. Amen? I don't care if you're feeling defeated. Know this, there's victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and I. We're giving another praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn around and just wave at somebody. Welcome to the house of the Lord today. We're so glad to see you. You may be seated. Okay, today we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. That starts today. We'll extend. We actually, it goes through the 27th. And on the 28th, Sunday the 28th, we break our fast. Now, as I've already told you, those of you who have heard me, uh, you, you, you fast as, as you are able to fast. Whatever you do, if it's fast a meal uh, uh, occasionally or some food. Uh, now, for, for me, now this is only one part of my fast. I'm going to tell you my whole fast because it's none of your business. Um, but uh, but I'll, just tell you, I'll just tell you part of my fast uh, is uh, I, I am addicted to sweets. Anybody else? Anybody else have that, that sweet addiction? I, I am. I'm, I'm telling you, just especially chocolate. I am addicted to chocolate. I love it. I mean, almost every day. There's just sometimes you're just craving it. I just got to have an M&M. Uh, you know, I've got to have uh, something chocolate. And uh, so, you know, you deny yourself. Uh, and that's part of fasting. That's what fasting is about, is denying yourself. And then there's other ways that you can fast. And so whatever works for you. I know some people say, well, I'm on medication. I can't go without eating. That's fine. They're, just find something that you, that, that, that's, that's part of you that you're saying, I'll put aside for three weeks. Now, I know I, 21 days sounds better than three weeks. Three weeks just sounds so long. Uh, but for that 21-day for that period, and give that time to the Lord, pray. It's not just about fasting, it's also all about praying. And so in conjunction with that, uh, there is a, a prayer meeting. Uh, there's just, uh, just, it's very small, but we're, I'm going to invite you to come. Uh, on Tuesday, they're meeting on Tuesday evenings now at 7 o'clock. I invite you to come, especially during these 21 days. On, on Tuesday, come and join us as we, as we pray. And there'll be things we'll be praying about. Also, in conjunction with this, I borrowed this. I just got it yesterday. I went to a, a prayer a gathering yesterday, and they had some of these. And um, they're, they're generic in nature. They're, they're published. It's put out by the uh, uh, Pentecostal Holiness Church International. Uh, they're also doing this uh, across uh, the country and also across the world. Uh, our denomination is doing this as well. So a lot of people... In, in, in the Christian church, is doing this prayer and fasting during uh, this time period. But this is a prayer God. And so it may help you uh, to, to uh, give you some things to pray about, some thoughts about how you should pray. And it's, it's, the first is some explanations, and then it goes to each day. Each day is outlined. There's four areas. There's the same four areas each day but different emphasis of each day of things you can pray for. I have a few of those that are in the uh, friendship station on the table there. Feel free to uh, take one of those 
and use that as a prayer guide during these 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, if, you, uh, if you want to utilize that, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, all along the way, I will be instructing you. I'm going to do this a little bit later in the service, but I'm going to instruct you in some things very specific to our church uh, that we need to be praying for and that we need to be praying about. And so, uh, so there's some very, very, very uh, 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 pointed, focused things that I want you to be praying for over these 21 days. So I'm going to be sharing something with you today uh, in that regard as well. So, uh, so 21 days of prayer and fasting starts today. Uh, again, it goes through the 20 Saturday, the 27th. That's the 21st day. Then that Sunday on the 28th, we'll be breaking our fast. So, uh, so please remember that. Again, again on Tuesdays uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, you're invited to come and to join with us uh, as we pray together. Uh, also, the blood drive is this Tuesday, uh, starting at uh, 1 o'clock, I think it is. Uh, there it is, 1 to 6. Uh, there's still time if you want to give blood. Uh, there's still appointments available. Uh, you can see my wife, and you can go online and look up uh, Friendly Chapel Church, and uh, it will give you that information. Uh, also, something else is be coming up next month. Let me just go ahead and start announcing that. There is a sign-up sheet at the Friendship uh, Station. Uh, for a Valentine's dinner that will be on February the 10th. That's a Saturday evening, uh, February the 10th, uh, and it's going to be a catered meal, uh, and, uh, and uh, we're not asking uh, for a, a particular price, but you can make a donation toward that, uh, and that will be at 5 o'clock. Uh, so that's for the whole church. It's sponsored by the uh, women's ministry, but that's for the whole church and, uh, and children. Also, there's going to be something uh, for children as well that's going to be provided. Uh, so, uh, so we'll try to take care of all of that. So remember that on the February the 10th, and there, there's, a, there, there, there's a thing there, and then we'll, uh, it'll be on the website as well, uh, so in uh, Facebook and all those other things. Uh, also, let's stop just for a moment. We're going to a little video I want you to look at. This is uh, introducing uh, this, the winner's uh, women's uh, Bible study, which starts this evening at 4 o'clock, this afternoon, pardon me, at 4 o'clock in the Friendship Hall. So any of you that have not signed up would like to come. Uh, but this is just an introduction to the Bible study. So take a, just a moment and let's look at that. <clears throat> How will we respond when God calls us to that place where he wants us to go in a different direction than what we had planned? Because the book of Jonah, these four little simple chapters are not really about the whale. They're really about our God. He cares. He's concerned. He's going to answer you. He hears you. One of the best things that can happen to us is when we get swallowed by a fish called grace. When we get swallowed by God's divine mechanism, at the time it doesn't feel good. But looking back, we'll realize that, that this happened because God wanted to offer me another opportunity. Can I just tell you that running from God is going to cost you so much more than you want to pay? Hey, I mean, I think it would be real beneficial to you uh, to, to give yourself to this. It looks like a great study uh, on Jonah, so that will be this afternoon at 4 o'clock. There is one other thing. Uh, go, well, let me go back to prayer just for a moment. I, I was just about to slip my mind. 
Uh, you should see now there's different prayer cards. We're, we're, we're trying to unify those uh, prayer cards. Uh, we still have some older ones out there. Uh, the newer ones look like this. Uh, but um, during the service, uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We've done this, we've done this on numerous times. We're going to do it again. Uh, you can't do it enough. But uh, this time, we've, we've put names on the cross. We've put uh, names in the box. We've put, uh, but these are people that you know of that are without Christ, that you want to pray for. Now, when I say without Christ, they may have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. They may have drifted away from Christ. They may be unchurched. They may know him, but they're not serving him. They're not following him. So uh, on, on this prayer card, I want you to take and be thinking about during the service, who would, who would you like to pray for over the next uh, 21 days? And so we're going to have these out for the next 21 days. We're going to be uh, using these, praying over these, and asking for God's favor and God's grace and God's mercy to help bring these people into the kingdom of God. Amen? So you be thinking about that. And uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and lay these on the altar. Okay? All right. All right. Now, let me, let me, let me transition into the words from the Word. Uh, today, I've selected, actually, it's a prayer uh, from the uh, Psalms, Psalm 23, the first five verses there. It is a prayer. It's a prayer of David. And I'm going to read this as a prayer. So this is, I want you to hear it as a prayer because it is such a wonderful, wonderful thing that David, that, that David did. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you, thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen. Let's all stand together and let's worship Him and praise Him. Lift our hands before Him and with our lips offer Him praise. Love is casting out fear, and even when I'm 
that's something to be thankful for and to give him praise. Just think of that. You are a child of the living God. Oh, you have been washed by the blood. You have been set free from the penalty of sin and darkness. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Woo, glory. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Lord, have mercy. Mm-mm-mm. I'm just, I'm just sort of feeling it today. I'm just, I don't know about you. I'm just sort of feeling it today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Be seated if you can. If you can't, just keep on standing. That's all right. I'm not going to stop the praises of God. Thank you, Lord. We do want to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. And we're going to have another prayer at the end of the service as well. But in this prayer, um, uh, Katrina, uh, uh, Georgiana was saying when Katrina came up, she got a call that they were, Miss Nina's having some medical emergency, so they have taken her to the hospital. And uh, so let's be in prayer for Miss Nina Franks this morning. And uh, uh, so let's be, let's be praying, let's be praying for, for them and uh, asking for God's touch and grace and mercy. Uh, in, in their lives. Um, there's others that need our prayer. Billy Beasley, let's continue to pray for Billy. He's battling cancer. Uh, he's been fighting that. Uh, I'm glad to report that uh, Miss Molly McClam is at home. Praise the Lord. We're just so grateful. She, is, she has been away from her home for a good while now, so we rejoice that she is back at home. I know she's still weak, but, uh, but she is, uh, at least she's, she's, got, she's got that far. I'll be honest, I don't know about you, David, there was a point and I didn't know she'd ever come back home or not, but, uh, but she's, she's good, you can't, you can't keep Miss Molly down, that, that, the unsinkable Miss Molly McLam, there you go, uh, but uh, we want to, let's continue to pray for Cynthia Schoenfeld as well, uh, she, is, she is just having such pain in her body, and let's pray for her, others that, that have flu and COVID and uh, and, and all of those things, uh, Karen Post, let's remember her mother. Uh, her mother is, is very low and, uh, and, and in, the, in the dying process. That's, that's the reality of it. And so let's pray for Karen. Let's pray for her mother. Uh, she's going through this, that God will just grant an overwhelming peace that will just bless, bless all of them together. Uh, you may have uh, prayer needs that you won't just express by lifting your hands before the Lord. I said, we're going to have another prayer time at the end of the service, but let's join our hearts now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the day you've blessed us with, this beautiful day. Lord, we we are here, I guess, for a lot of different reasons, but there really is only one reason why we should be here, and that is to worship you. So God, above everything else we may think we need in this life, I'm still convinced that the greatest need we have is to worship you. To worship the one who created us, made us, formed us, and fashioned us according to the word of God in your image. So God, Lord, because we have been created in your image, we should be a reflection of who you are. And so God, we just want to worship that one who created us and made us and called us and proclaimed that we are who you say we are. We are children of the living God, and we are thankful for that, Lord. And so we're, based upon that, Lord, we'll worship you today and just give you praise. 
Lord, I know there's also needs among us, oh God. There's people that are lost without you that need, that need to find you, which I think is the second greatest need of all people is to be saved. So, Father, Lord, we pray for those that are lost without you. We pray, Lord, for, our, for, for missionaries around the world, the Lord, to be sacrificing their lives. And, God, we just pray that you will touch. For the church, we pray that you will touch the church and bless the church, and God, help us all. Father, I pray that you'll over this service today. I pray, God, that you will bless this service right now. And, Father, Lord, that you will minister unto us through this service. And, God, that we will bless you. We pray for Miss Nina, whatever's going on with her, whatever, Lord Jesus, is happening in her body. God, may you touch, and, Lord, may you bless. And, God, may you uh, bring that blood pressure down. And, God, may you help her, God, Lord, in her time of need. Lord, bring calmness and peace, Lord, to her mind and to her heart. Now, Father, I pray, God, that you will touch Billy Beasley. Lord, continue to minister unto him. And, Father, Lord, help Billy. Billy needs not just a touch of his body. He needs a touch of his mind, O oh God. And, Lord, may you touch him and help him to have the clarity of thought that he needs to make the best decisions that he can make for his care. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will just minister, Lord, to his family and his caregivers and everyone that is around him. And, Father, Lord, that may you touch all of them together and, Lord, to bless them. Father, Lord, we pray, God, that you will, Lord Jesus, just touch everyone in this service today. And, Lord, touch Cynthia, God, and I know she's in pain. And, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't understand it, God, and I would, Lord, if I could take it away. And I know you can take that pain away, but, Lord Jesus... Lord, there's a, there's a purpose, there's a plan in all of these things. So, God, your will be done. But, Lord, we are still going to pray. We're still believing, Lord, for divine intervention, for divine mercy, divine grace, Lord, upon her body. Father, Lord, we just pray that you will just touch, Lord, the word today and help me to preach, God, the way I need to preach it and to minister your word unto your people. And now, Lord Jesus, we just commit all this to you. Your will be done. Your will be done in our midst for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, today, uh, I'm going I'm to take you as we go into the, to, to the sermon today. I'm going to take you on an exciting journey, or at least it is for me. It's a journey I've taken many times over, uh, over my years of serving the Lord, and now I want to bring you on this journey as well. And the journey I'm talking about as I announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, we're going we're gonna to spend the whole year in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it, is, it is a wonderful, it is a wonderful, wonderful book. And there's a lot, a lot of people shy away from the book of Hebrews. And I'm going I'm to give you some reasons why some people shy away from it. I suppose the primary reason many Christians do not delve into the book is because it just seems too difficult to understand. It, 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 and, there, and I'll be the first to admit, there's passages in here that is hard to understand, that's hard to grab hold of. And part of that is because it is so steeped in the tradition of the Old Testament Judaism. And so some of those things are hard for us to relate to and to understand. Another reason that some people don't like the study of Hebrews is because it's just too, too frightening and it's too negative in its tone. The book is full of warnings about, uh, about falling away and backsliding and apostasy However, I'll submit to you that, that, that it's this wonderful work when you truly understand what the author is telling us and revealing and saying to us 
through the person of the work of Jesus Christ and, and, and ourselves, when we understand that relationship of who Jesus is and our relationship to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, it's, it's just an eye-opener. And this book is just, it's just wonderful. Now, the final reason I'm going to offer to you why, why people just shy away from this book is because it's too revealing. This book reveals sin. Now, now I, I, and I'm not talking about just those outside, beyond the stained glass windows. I'm talking about within the church. Within the church, he is dealing with, 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 with things that are just, that, 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 are, that are hard, that are that, that hard, to, hard to understand. And when we begin to have an understanding in this book, one of the things you'll find, or at least I hope you find, there'll be a sense of conviction that will come over you because of this. And, 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 and but because of that, I think it, we shouldn't shy away from it. We should delve into it and let God show us these things. Holy Spirit, work in our, in our lives. And so, so I believe that, that when we have that conviction, see, conviction forces us to evaluate ourselves. Conviction forces us to look at who we are. And I think when you put those two powerful elements together, conviction and that self-evaluation, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to compel you to come closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, or it's going to drive you away from Him. Now, the first reaction is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for anybody to be driven away from Him. I want people to draw nearer unto Him and to see who He really is and what He is able to do. Now, this message this morning, now, I, I, and I may bore some of you to death, and I, I, don't, I don't intend to do that, but it's an introduction. As you saw at the beginning, Hebrew is an introduction. So I'm going to spend some time laying down a foundation upon which we can build over this next year as we're going through uh, these, the, these, uh, the, these words that have been given to us. Now, now so, so uh, I, I, can't, I can't share everything with you because time, time just won't let me do all of that stuff. But I'm going to share with you some things that I think that will help us. And, and I'll be the first to admit, as I've already said, there's some difficult areas. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can make it for you so it's understandable. That's not because I don't think you have the capacity to understand difficult things. I'm doing as much for me as I am for you because I'm a simple-minded thinker. I'm not, I'm not a deep thinker. I'm not a, a, a complex thinker. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a simple-thinking individual. And so, therefore, if I can understand, if I can make it simple for me, then I feel like it's be simple for everybody else. So we'll wade through these passages. We'll wade through these difficult things. And, uh, and, we'll, and we'll come out. But what I'm saying to you is this. If you'll stick with me. If you'll stick with me. Don't give up on it. If you'll stick with me. I'm, I'm going I'm to go ahead and give, make a guarantee. You'll be the better for it. Because there'll be so many things that you're going to learn. Now, to do the introduction, I've got four introductory points. Four. I'm holding up ten fingers, but I don't know. There's only four. There, there, there's four introductory points I want to share with you about this book. Now, we're going to start with the author. Who wrote Hebrews? Now, Hebrews is different than most every other book in the New Testament. 
almost every book in the New Testament has an author ascribed to it. Or it's, it's, it's pretty evident who wrote the book. Hebrews is one of those that there is no author ascribed to it. We don't know exactly who wrote it. Now, I could take you on a long treatise, if you understand what that is. I could take a long explanation of who some believe are the various authors of Hebrews, but that won't do you one dab of good. It won't help you one bit in the world to do that. I'm just going to present to you who I believe is the author. And, it's, and many scholars believe this. Not, not that I'm putting myself in the, in the sense of scholars, a scholarly person. But, but many scholars believe that this was written by the Apostle Paul. But on the flip side of that, there are many scholars who say, reason, there is no way the Apostle Paul could have written this. Well, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to come down on the side that the Apostle Paul wrote it. And I'm gonna, the reason I'm going to do that is because whoever wrote this book had to be a man like Paul. Had to be a man that was steeped in Judaism, and Paul was. And a man who was steeped in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul was. And a man that, that had understanding of the spiritual elements and principles, and had a mind like the Apostle Paul had. So, so on every, everything for authorship that you can check off, Paul, there's a check there by Paul's name. Because he, he fits in all the categories. Now, the, one of the compelling arguments against Pauline authorship is the literary style of the letter. Now, I, I, know this, I know this is just really exciting. This is shouting time of glory, you know. Um, but but one of the, the style of it, now, when you read it as it's translated, you don't, you don't pick up on the different styles. But when you look at all these letters that were written by these different authors, and you see how they wrote, it's just like, I have a speaking style. I have a writing style. One thing I learned over all those years of grading papers of students then I have graded literally thousands of, of, of papers that students submitted over 44 years of teaching. And, and when, when I read those papers, you get to the point when you read enough papers by the same students, you begin to pick up on their style. So when you take a paper, I never try to look at who wrote the paper, but if all I have to do is read the first paragraph. Oh, well, I know that was Tom wrote that. I don't know Jenny wrote that one. Because... Everybody has their unique style of writing. But when you compare Paul's other letters that we know Paul wrote these letters, and you compare that style with Hebrews, it is remarkably different. The style is very smooth. Paul's writing is not that smooth. But this writing is very smooth. It's very elegant. And so it's very different. So that's what's throwing people off. Well, you know, one thing, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just defining to defend my position, but one thing I've discovered, even though Paul wrote a lot of these letters, he didn't, he didn't really write them, he dictated them. And there were different men, generally he had one person that he depended upon, he dictated, they wrote down what Paul said. You know, let, let me tell you something, even people like that put their own style they put their own flair into it. There's another man 
that many people believe wrote this man, a man by the name of Apollos. Now, he's mentioned in the scriptures, but Apollos was a great orator of the early church. When I mean a great orator, he just, he was, he was, he was, he was polished. He was a good speaker. He was a good talker. He could, he could lay down a, a, a good, concise sermon, and everybody knew Apollos for his slick, uh, polished style. Well, the, the, the style of Hebrews is more in the style of Apollos. I'm going to submit to it. I don't know this, so you, you, ain't got to, you ain't got to write anybody about it and say that's, that's the way it is. I believe Paul influenced, but I believe Apollos wrote it. And I think, I think that, could, that could actually happen. But, but here, here's, here's, here, here's the bottom line. Only God knows. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That, that, only God knows. So, I, so that's what I'm going to stick with. Whether it's Paul, whether it's Apollos, some people believe it's Peter, uh, whoever it may have been, that we know that God knows. And one thing I do know, this book is just laden with the anointing of the Spirit of the living God. So it, it is whoever wrote it was anointed by the Holy Spirit to write it. Then that brings me to the readers. Who was the writer writing to? Now, you may say, this, this, it, why is this important? It really is important to understand what this letter is all about. Now, there's, there's a lot we don't know about these readers, but there are some things we do know. So let me share with you from this letter what we know about who were the recipients of the Hebrew letter. First of all, we know they were believers. Uh, so the writer was not trying to convince them to believe in Christ. What he was trying to do was convince them to continue to believe in Christ because that was one of the issues that was going on. The next thing we know is that they were most likely converted from Judaism or they were Jews that converted to Christianity. That just seems to be very evident from the letter. The next thing we know about these writers or these readers is they had been persecuted because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look at chapter 10, starting with verse 32, we find these words. But recall the former days, the author said to them, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering, partly because you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and, uh, and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compa compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now, whoever wrote this, I'm going to go back to the authorship in just a minute. Whoever wrote this was in prison. The Apostle Paul was in prison a couple of times. Okay, now I'm just making my point. Another thing we know about these readers is that none of them had been martyred, had been killed because of their faith. In chapter 12, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. We also know that they have behaved themselves as true Christians throughout their sufferings by showing compassion to other saints. Hebrews chapter 6, for, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown uh, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Then we also know that they had been Christians for some time. They were yet they were still babes in Christ. Chapter 5 we find the author said to them 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, these folks should be mature Christians by now, but they had not been matured. They were still babes in Christ. Then we also know there is a clear sign that these Christians were about to drift away from their faith. In chapter 2, he says, Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. And then in chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assemblies of yourself together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So these Christians were struggling in their faith. And a lot of the struggle was coming because of the persecution they had already gone uh, through and they were seeing another wave of persecution that was far worse than anything they'd ever endured. And so now they're questioning, should we go back to our old faith or should we continue on with Christ? Now, that brings me to the theme of this book. Now, there's three key words that we're going to identify that helps us understand the overall theme of the book of Hebrews. The first thematic word that we're going to use is the word better. It's used some 13 times throughout the book. The idea behind the use of this word better is to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is indeed better to Judaism or any other religion as far as that is concerned. So let me share some ways with you, according to the writer of Hebrews, how Jesus is better than any other religious faith. First of all, he is better than the angels. In chapter 1, we find, having become so much better than the angels, as he has an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than day. In chapter 7, we find he offers a better hope. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Again, in chapter 7, he brought a better covenant. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. In chapter 8, we find he offers better promises. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he also uh, is also a mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. In chapter 9, we discover he offers better sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. In chapter 10, we discover he offers a better possession. Uh, he's, for, for you have had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Also, in chapter 11, we discover he has a better city. 
but now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a better city. And then we, in chapter 11, we discover He has a better resurrection. And we find in that chapter, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So based on this, Jesus is better than anything else you can find in this world. The second thematic word here is perfect. It is used some 14 times throughout the epistle. The basic meaning of perfect is a perfect standing before God. A perfect standing before God. Now, I realize you, I, just lost, I just lost most of you right then and there. Because I know I, 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 know I can see the wheels turning. I, I say, well, there's no hope for me. Because I can never be perfect enough to stand before God. That's not what we're talking about. There is nothing you can ever do to get perfect enough to stand before God. But because Jesus is the perfect one, and if we are in Him, He is what makes us perfect. Not us, but Him. He is the perfect one. So we find that Jesus is the one who offered the perfect sacrifice to achieve what we need. It was not the Levitical priesthood. It's not by the law. It's not by anything else. But it's only through Jesus Christ. For we discover that in chapter 10, he says he's perfected forever them that are sanctified. So when you're saying, see, you can't sanctify. I know I may lose some of you here because we don't talk about sanctification as much as we need to. But sanctification is one of those good, good biblical words, one of those good churchy words being saint. We are supposed to be sanctified. Well, you know, when I was growing up in a church, one of the things I, I discovered, I grew up in a holiness church. I grew up in a church that everything was wrong. They want nothing right. Matt, you couldn't even breathe and do it right. Anybody, anybody relate to that? I mean, you, you, you couldn't do nothing. You couldn't, and, and it was almost sanctification was presented as something you had to do. You had to give up, lay aside, put aside, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't, you know, always don't, 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 don't. Let me tell you, I discovered, one thing I discovered when I got saved, I grew up in that kind of theology, but when I got saved, what I discovered is I can't sanctify myself. The only way I can be sanctified is through Jesus Christ who sanctified himself without the gate for us. So that's how I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. And then, then we find the third, the third thematic word is the word eternal. The word eternal. Now how does this apply to Jesus Christ? I want you to notice some ways that Jesus Christ is the eternal one. I want you to understand something. I'm going to go ahead and clarify something. I probably said this before, but I don't know if I have or not. But if I have, if I have, I can say it again. If I hadn't, you hear it for the first time. There is a difference. There's two words that are akin, but they're very different. There's the word eternal, 
and it's the word everlasting. There is only one eternal being. That's God. Only one. We're everlasting. See, eternal has no beginning, no end. Well, we had a beginning. We started to... Everything else is everlasting. Now, what God, what Jesus Christ does, He gives us eternal life because even though we have a beginning... And, well, actually, we don't have an ending. Our body does, the rest of us doesn't. We go on forever. But the life that Jesus Christ created from the beginning, the life was in Him. In Him was life. And so life is eternal. So life that we're going to come to know through Jesus Christ is a, is a life that has a beginning for us, but not for Him. What we're going to do, we're going to step in. I know this is because it's confusing. We're going to step into eternal life. <laughs> That's what, when we accept Jesus Christ, we step into eternal life. It's been going forever and ever, no beginning, no ending, because God is the author of life itself. So, so let, let's, let's look at just for a few moments. In some ways that Jesus Christ is eternal. He is the author of eternal salvation according to chapter 5. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And through his death, he attained eternal redemption. In chapter 9, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with, the, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having attained eternal redemption. That means that we have been saved. We are saved for eternity. He shares with his believers the promise of an eternal inheritance. Again, in chapter 9, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. His throne is forever chapter one but the son but he but to the son he says your throne O god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom and then finally he is never changing jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever he is eternal then, now, when you combine these three words together, when you, when, you put, when you put these thoughts together, that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is and what he offers unto us, that he is, that he is perfect, he is eternal, that he is better, when you put these all together, what you discover is that Jesus and the Christian life that he gives to us is better because these blessings are eternal. And they give us a perfect standing before our God. 
What a Savior we serve. That brings me to the fourth introductory point, and that is the purpose. Now, I suppose there's many purposes to the letter, but I think it'd all be boiled down to one word, and that's encouragement. Now, now you, you based upon what I said earlier, you said, well, when you're talking about apostasy and backsliding and, 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 and drifting away and all of this kind of stuff, that don't sound too encouraging to me. But no, Jesus come to offer them encouragement. He wanted to encourage these people because they were discouraged. Paul said, or, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm saying Paul said it. The author said in chapter 13, he said, and I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. And that Greek word that is translated as exhortation means encouragement. I have written this to encourage you. To encourage you to keep on keeping on. In other places in the, in the New Testament, the same word, the Greek word, is translated as comfort, to bring comfort unto you. The writer, the, uh, the writer didn't, didn't write this letter to them to scare them to death. That's not what he's trying. He's not trying to scare them to death. He's trying to, he, he's trying to encourage them. Come on, folks. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. Don't go back to what, the, the, the what was because what was is not going to do you any good. What was it going to bring you through where, where you are right now? You need, you need the present power of Jesus Christ in your life. And I believe what the author was trying to do, they were hanging on by a thread. And I believe he came along through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and tied another knot in the end of that rope so they could hang, keep on hanging on. You say, well, that, what does that have to do with us? He's, I, I think we need encouragement too. Sometimes we feel like, what's the point? Just throw up our hands and let's just kind of, kind of, kind of sort of like Job's wife. You, you remember when Job, she just got so exasperated with his situation. And I don't know how she meant it. I don't, I don't, know, the, I don't know the tone. I wasn't there to hear it. When she finally looked at her husband and said, why don't you just curse God and die? I believe what she was saying is something, why don't you just go ahead and give in to it? And just take your chances. Well, there, there comes a time in life when you need just to accept the inevitable. But don't curse God. <laughs> Bless Him. But as long as God's given us breath, we need to keep pressing on. We need to keep pressing on. We need to keep on working. We, it's not time to stop believing in Jesus. There's ever been a time you need to believe in Him now. It's not time to stop serving Him. If there's ever been a time you need to serve Him, it's now. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Thank God you're here. Now's not the time to quit coming to church. Now's the time to, to join yourself together with people of like faith. Now, if there's ever been a time that the church ought to be full, it's now. 
There's time that people ought to be flocking to the house of God. It's now. Because there's trouble on every hand. There's disaster on every hand. There is, there's problems on every hand. There is turmoil on every hand. There is, the, there is disintegration on every hand. There is just, there's just mess. Everywhere I look, there's a mess. It's like playing hopscotch when I was a boy when we let the chickens run wild. When you get outside, you had to play Scott hopscotch trying to get out of the mess. And no matter how, 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 how careful you step, you couldn't help but stop stepping a mess. Well, everywhere I step, I'm stepping in a mess. But I know who is the mess cleaner upper. I know who can come in the barnyard and clean it up. I know the one that can help us. And so now is not the time to abandon our faith. Now is not the time to desert Him. Now is not the time to relax and grow cold. Now is the time to rise up and say, we are the children of the living God. And we're going to serve Him. And we're going to follow Him. And we're going to do His work. Praise Him. Make, make, make your way on up. Praise Him if you don't mind coming up. And I believe, I believe just like these readers need, needed, we, just be, we need to be re, reignited. <laughs> just reignited. With that unshakable belief. I told you last week, and I would, I, would, I would test you, but I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to test you. So I'll give you last week what our word for this year is. If you were not here, let me tell you what it is. If you've forgotten, let me tell you what it is. You're going to hear it again and again and again and again. Is believe. As Jesus said, when Jairus' daughter, when Jairus came to Jesus and said, will you come and pray for my daughter? Will you come and heal my daughter? She is deathly ill. Jesus said, take me to her. When he got there, the professional mourners had already gathered. The community had already come together. They were wailing and weeping. Don't bother the master. That's what, that's what the elders said to Jairus. Don't bother the master. She's already dead. And Jesus looked at those skeptics. See, there's always somebody out there trying to tell you it's no longer possible. So just give it up. It can't be done. I'm telling you, I believe you need to let Jesus look at your impossible situation. The same thing he said to those synagogue leaders. Look it up. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It's hard to keep on believing when you're not seeing anything 
anything happen around it. And when it's still going the wrong direction, it's hard to believe that that thing can turn around. <laughs> so we need to believe and trust in Him. Now, we're going to sing a song. It's going to be, an, I don't know if it's an invitation song, song. It's really a prayer. Breathe on us, breath of God. Now, I don't know if you, I don't know if you filled out your card or not. If you haven't filled out your card, take just a moment. If you want to fill it out, if you don't want to fill it out, that's okay. When you start singing this song, I want to start coming down to the altar. Everybody who can, we're going to have an altar prayer this morning. We need an altar prayer. I'm going to give you some guidance on how we're going to pray. Once you, once you come down, I don't care where you lay these. Lay them anywhere on these steps. This side, that side, don't matter, top, bottom, don't matter a difference. Put your card with that name on it, or names. We're going to lay these people on the altar. Next 21 days, we're going to be praying. God to do the impossible and work in these people's lives. Amen. Amen. Just making sure you're here. Let's all stand together. As we start singing, you can start coming. Stay here in the altar. When we finish the song, we're going to have an altar prayer together.
thank you, Lord. That is that that should be our prayer. Breathe on us, breath of God. I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this prayer, God, as a model for us this morning of, of how to pray and what to pray for. There's gonna be four four movements to our to our prayer that we're gonna do that we're gonna do this morning. First of all, we want to pray for personal and individual transformation in Christ's likeness. And in this prayer, pray that God will enable you and others of us to follow Christ, to return to a first love for Christ. That's going to be our first prayer. We're going to pray that God will help us develop that Christ-likeness that we need form in us what he needs to form in us so that we can be used of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come together here, Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And Lord, we have been created in your image. Lord, we know that image was, was, was marred. It was marred by sin. And it's still marred by sin today. But God, I pray, Lord, in this moment, in this moment, Lord, that you will help to restore and renew that Christ-likeness in all of us, in our church, oh God, that we will begin to develop that attitude that was in Christ Jesus, that God, that we would want to be like you in everything, in everything that we do. God, and I believe that means sanctification, sanctify us afresh and renewed, my God. We can't sanctify ourselves. We can't clean ourselves up, no matter how hard we try. Oh, God, we might, we might stop doing something. We might pick up another, another behavior. We might put down a behavior, but God, that doesn't sanctify us. What sanctifies us is the blood of Jesus Christ uh, piercing through our very veins and, Lord, cleansing us to our purity. To God, sanctify us today. Restore in us that likeness. The second thing we want to pray for today is the restoration of the health of our church. Pray that, 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 that Christ will help us to be a healthy body of believers so that we can do the work that he's called us to do. Lord, restore our health. God, you know the areas, Lord Jesus, of sickness in our body, Lord. And I'm not talking about our physical body. I'm talking about, Lord, in the body of Christ. You know, Lord, where their sin is lurking. You know, Lord Jesus, where there's attitudes that are wrong. You know, Lord Jesus, Lord, those unhealthy parts of us, that God that are hindering us and are keeping us from fully, fully embracing the mission that you have laid out for Friendly Chapel Church. So, my God, I pray that you will restore to us, Lord, that godly health, that spiritual health, so that we can grow, that we can grow in you. Lord, restore that unto us. 
The next thing we need to pray for is to pray for people that are experiencing spiritual death and bondage to sin without a saving, saving relationship to Jesus Christ. And also asking God that He would use us to demonstrate His love and His compassion and share His saving grace. These prayer cards that you have laid here. Yes, I want you to pray over these. I want some of you to step up. I want you to stop. I want you to lay hands. I'm not going to do all you praying for me. I want you to step up. I want you to lay your hands on these. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for these individuals that are, that are represented in these cards right here. I want you to pray. I want you to call God's name. I want you to pray over them and ask for God's blessings, God's grace, and God's mercy. To bring salvation, Lord, unto them. To bring salvation, Lord, to those who are lost without you. Lord, and help us, oh God, to be instruments that you can use us, Lord. That you can use us, God. That you can use us, Lord, to bring people in. To see people being saved. God, that you will draw people, Lord, to this sanctuary. To God, and you are drawing people, but God, Lord, I, you, I just pray, Lord, when they're drawn, Lord, they'll be so sucked in by your power, not by us, but by your power, that, God, they will just, they will just be here because they know this is where they need to be. So, Lord, Lord, draw people. Draw people, Lord. Draw people, God. Draw people, Lord, to Friendly Chapel Church. Draw people to this place, O oh God. And Lord, help us, Lord, become that church, that healthy church that can minister unto them. And Lord Jesus, bless them. And, and Lord Jesus, help to raise them up and to grow them. We can't save them, God. Only you can do that. But God, then you give us the responsibility to teach them and to train them and to show them how they are to live. So God, help us. Help us to do that, Lord. And the final area of prayer is a spiritual awakening. You call it what it wants, a revival. We need a revival, folks. I'm not talking about just friendly chapel. I'm talking about everywhere. There, there needs to be a revival among God's people. And we need a awakening, not just not just a not just a service. That is, is, I, I, I told in our in our business session uh, just the other uh, other week that we we I've got we're planning a revival. We're planning a revival, and this I, I need you to pray for this. I need you I need you to make a note of this. I want you to be praying. I don't want us to have just a revival service. We're going to have a weekend event, a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening. I've invited a young man by the name of Jatarius Boyd. He's from, uh, originally from Tennessee. He lives in uh, Kentucky now. And I'm praying, I'm praying that, that, that God will just pour out on this church a fresh anointing. Just to pour out on us a fresh anointing 
that God will pour out us on our revival, awaken, wake us up, to help us to see what we need to see and to experience what we need to experience. Norma, will you pray this prayer of revival? Asking God for to renew us and revive us. Yes, right now, right now, right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, it is. Oh, God. God, wake us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Mm. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, folks, between now, it is, it's, it's, it's about six or seven weeks away. From now to then, I want you to be praying. Praying constantly for revival. So, we're not waiting for we're not waiting for Jay. His name's Jatarius, we call him Jay. We're not waiting for Jay to get here to have revival. We should we should we should we shouldn't wait. Oh, we'll wait till he gets here. Let him preach and let him revive. No, he can't. Jay, Jay Boyd, he's, a, he's an anointed man of God. He's a charismatic man of God. He's a gifted man of God. But let me tell you something. Jay Boyd can't bring, he can't revive you. It's only, it's only when we get ourselves right with God. And so when he comes in the door, he needs to find revival already going on. Amen? So let's be praying. Let's be seeking God. Let's be inviting. Let's be telling people about what God's, God's going to do. Because you know what? If we don't expect God to do nothing, you know what God's going to do? He ain't going to do nothing. Because we ain't expecting to do nothing. I'm expecting God to do something. I am believing. Amen? I'm believing. I'm believing for a move of God. I'm believing for a shaking of the soul. I'm believing for a quaking of the earth under our very feet. I'm believing for souls to be saved. I'm believing for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm believing for that anointing of God just to come upon us. Amen? I'm fired up if you ain't. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go. I'm believing. I'm believing what God can do. So remember, for those of you that, that, that can and would love to, would like to be a part of it, we're having a prayer meeting uh, each Tuesday, 7 o'clock, here at the church. Welcome to come. Welcome to come. God's good, amen? amen. Love the Lord. And if you don't love him, you need to fall in love with him. Because let me, let, me, let me tell you, for those that are listening in, those that are here, 
Let me tell you something. You will never find anything any better than your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can hunt, you can search. Oh, you might find some things that might bring you a pleasure or two. Some are, some are trying to find it in a bottle. Some are sniffing it up their nose and shooting it in their veins. What does that get you? A headache in the morning? Burned out veins? For many, homelessness and despair and nothingness. Let Jesus shoot you up. Get you some Jesus juice. Hallelujah. Get some of that in you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you it'll, it'll, do you, it'll do your body good. And it'll do your soul even better. That's what you need. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Raise your hand for the blessing. Father, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of Jesus Christ who dwells among us. Thank you, Lord, for your love and grace and mercy that you have given unto us. And I pray, God, that you will, Lord, just shower us, Lord, with your goodness. Revive us again. Lord, fill each heart with your love. Let us be in tune with you and you alone. Let us hear your voice speaking unto us. And Lord Jesus, let us be enraptured with your presence. Now, go with us in peace as we go to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.